You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Uh, well, good morning. My name is John. We're in a series uh, called A Season of Growth. Uh, I'd just like to caveat that just a little bit. We are in a season of growth, but we're in a life of growth with Jesus. Yeah? So although we have seasons, the Bible talks about seasons, times, purposes, but our whole purpose is to stay in a continual growth and relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'd just like to recap, really, um, in terms of what we've uh, been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And uh, week one was faith. Week two was community. Week three was diversity. Last week was raising others. And this week, I'll be talking about growing in discipleship. The elders here really want you to pioneer in these things and to depend on God in these things. So to take your walk with Jesus seriously, to depend on God and believe that he will make these things happen. And if you don't see it happening, take your identity in Christ and pioneer these things and let that be the basis for living these things out. Today I'll be mainly speaking to Christians. Um, Obviously most of you are Christians here, right? Yes, okay. Uh, But if you're not a Christian here, um, this message is still relevant to you. This message is about us understanding who God is and then uh, as Christians understanding who we are and understanding what God has in store for us to do, which is many good works. I'm also trusting in God today that uh, he's already been working with you in your journey with him this week and over the course of your life. I have no wisdom at all. So if you're looking for wisdom, I have none. But this book has it all. This book has the wisdom of God. It has uh, the mind of God. And as Christians, we have the spirit of God in us who helps us understand and know the mind of God. And this book will shape, challenge, and radically transform your life. I spoke of challenge. I'm a man that loves challenge. If you've come to my house, I've probably challenged you before in some way. Um, uh, if you haven't been to my house, come to my house so I can challenge you. Um, but uh, I'm a man of challenge, maybe because of personality, but I find that the Bible is a challenging book. The Bible in Jesus challenges me to really think about and understand what I believe in, what I trust, what I depend on. So if you haven't come to be challenged this morning, tough. You're going to be challenged because God loves to challenge his children. But he loves you so much that the challenge comes from a place of love, of grace, and mercy. So I'm just going to pray quickly because we really need God's help. I need God's help. Father, thank you that uh, you love us so much. Thank you that, uh, rightly so, it's all about you, Jesus. For those, I include myself in it, At times, my life is revolving around other things. I repent and I come back to you and say, Lord, I want you at the center of my life. Please help us as we hear your words today. Help us grow and help us to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, in preparing to this, I felt uh, stirred in three particular ways of how I've learned in my life Oh, how God has shown me in my life that I can be an effective disciple for him, but also to know that I'm a disciple of him. 
So one particular passage which has helped me um, is John 15. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in a vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, for those of us who are a certain age, we don't tend to use this term abide anymore. Uh, it's kind of an old hymn uh, phrase. No one says uh, nowadays abide in anything. They say come live or come stay or something like that. But um, in this particular passage, uh, for me, it's been helpful to know that in order to do anything, I have to abide in Jesus. As a Christian, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. But abide means to remain and to not depart and to continue and to be present. Now, that indicates to me that we can drift. We can not abide. We can put our sights and put our minds and put ourselves in other things. So I'm challenged to continue to throw myself and to be dependent upon God. Because later on that passage says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to wither. I don't want to be picked up. I don't want to be thrown in the fire and burned. I want to stay connected to the one who's the source of, of life. And if you're a Christian, you have the privilege to abide in Jesus Christ because you've <coughs> repented of your sins. You've recognized that he is Lord over all. You've recognized that he's came to the world. He's died, died on the cross. He was resurrected. And now we get to partake, participate in this wonderful adventure and relationship of being with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, abiding is not a passive thing. It's intentional. We have to intentionally pursue Jesus. And some of the ways that uh, we do that is we understand what Jesus says in his word. Because his word is God-breathed, and it's for us to follow his ways. Now, I'm not going to uh, go into the whole topic of religion. I think that uh, modern day times, uh, we lack discipline and we confuse that with religion. But actually, discipline is acknowledging that Jesus is our instructor and our teacher and that we're willing to submit our lives into his lives. Think of it like this. How many of you have lived with your parents? And your parents have rules, right? And how many of you have said, when you get older, when I get my own house, I'm going to make my own rules? Most of us have. Now, with Jesus, yeah, we come under his rule, his reign, and his authority in his house. And when we leave his house, guess what? We take his rule, his reign, his uh, instructions into our own house. So we don't just break away from Jesus and say, okay, Lord, thank you. And this one-time thing of, I, I repent of my sins, I acknowledge you of Lord, and then I, I'll go do my own thing. We actually take everything that he says in his word and we apply it to our lives. And this is continual. This is the way we know that we're followers of Jesus. We live with him and we abide in him as a choice. And out of that choice and out of that obedience, we learn and we see and we feel that Jesus abides in us. He doesn't abide in us if we don't abide in him. Sometimes we get that the wrong way around and think, I can do what I want and 
I'll pick up Jesus and put him in my pocket, or I'll pick him up and take him out when I want. No, we abide in him, and then he abides in us, and he transforms and shapes our lives. We must bring ourselves to a place of submission where we say to God that I'm dependent upon you. I accept you. I need you. And this is what God intends for the believer, that we live a life of dependence upon him in relationship with him and that it's ongoing. I mean, to be completely honest with you, at times in my own life, I've let other things come in and take Jesus' place. And I can tell you that that did not go so well and that I made huge mistakes in that. But God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God is true. And because I repented of my sins as a believer again and again, I know and I hear his voice and he calls me back because the Holy Spirit abides in me. And if I'm honest, I think to myself, how can you abide in me with such a messy heart? Such a messy heart. But he chooses to do that because he's committed to restoring us, to healing us, to us bearing fruit. That passage says that apart from me, you can do nothing. Not some things, not a little bit of things. You can do nothing. So I would encourage us to continue to abide in the Lord by reading his word and by listening to his spirit. I don't know how it gets any more practical, really. The Bible has everything we need for life. So please, read the word. It's the word we we connect with God. It's the way we hear of what God is like, what Jesus is like. It's the way that we don't believe the lies that either someone has said over us or that we uh, believe ourselves or that the enemy says about us is we find out who we really are. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We're the redeemed, as we were hearing when we were crying out earlier. Why be quiet? This is life-changing. This changes everything. We must continue, and I use that word strongly, must continue to abide in Jesus, and then he will abide in us. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. As we abide in Jesus' commandments by following and doing what he says, we know what he's like. We soon realize that this world and all it has to offer is counterfeit. It's hard sometimes giving up things that your heart used to desire or separating yourself from relationships or ways of thinking. But the Bible said that we can renew our minds. But it takes a discipline to renew our minds. I kind of think of it as uh, if you've ever been on a plane and um, the flight steward goes up and does all our hand things. In an event of emergency, the, the mask drop down. And they always go, make sure you put on your own mask before you help someone else put on their mask. So as we abide in Christ and we abide in Jesus, we're making sure that our oxygen supply is secure so that we can breathe and so that we can live 
and do the lives and the things that God has for us. Finally, in this one, if you abide in Jesus, you'll bear much fruit. It's not even like I might bear fruit. You'll bear fruit, yeah? And let's be careful not to think of the fruit that we like to think of sometimes, like, oh, I'll be really effective at this, and I'll be really effective at that. Often the fruit is the fruit that's bare underneath the surface in your own heart that changes you, that then works its way outwards so that other people can see. Um, I'm quite challenged by my children sometimes. Um, if you have children here, nod your head and say you're challenged too. Um, but um, a few times I've lost my temper, yeah? I've lost my temper. And uh, my youngest daughter says, Daddy, Jesus wouldn't lose his temper. <laughs> and I look at her and I go, you're right. He wouldn't lose his temper. But that child of mine put me back to the truth. Yeah? And I have to repent for that. Go back to God. I say to my daughter, I'm really sorry daddy lost his temper. But guess who doesn't lose his temper? Jesus. Yeah? So it's very important that we understand that what Jesus says about us, what the Bible says about Jesus, and that this book contains everything to help us in our life, even our parenting. Growing in discipleship with each other. We're all difficult, right? We all have our quirks. We all have our ways of thinking. We all have uh, uh, things that make us difficult to all others. We're all selfish, yeah? But the Bible says that now, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, we're a new creation. God has designed us to be in discipleship and relationship with imperfect people, yeah? Imperfect people. Jesus is the one who's perfect. So we come together in this beautiful community, and we can look at each other and go, guess what? I'm not perfect, neither are you. Jesus is perfect. That should help us disciple each other, and that should help us learn to deal with each other. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. When we come into the community of God, there's no judgment. Yeah? There's no judgment. When we come into the community of God, there should be freedom. There should be joy. There should be peace. We should have an understanding that there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ. We should be of like mind in that truth because when we live in that truth, we're able to walk in that truth. Yeah? As I said, you can say to yourself, I'm not perfect. We know we're not perfect. This is a community of imperfect people, but we know the one who is perfect. And we'll all be at different stages in our lives, some young, some old, some really old. But... We're all on a, 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 a pathway, a, a, a journey of learning to live with one another and look at Jesus. This is what it's all about. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When we come together and we abide in him and he in us, we sharpen each other. Yeah? We really do. I know sometimes... You might think someone's dull or uh, 
oh man, they're still, they're still dealing with that. But that's okay. Because if they're staying in a relationship with Jesus and they're in the community of God, we can help them. We can help them. We don't help them by saying, look at me, look what I'm doing. We say, no, don't forget who you are. We encourage them. Look at Jesus. Yeah, it might be five years that you're struggling with something, but look at Jesus. Yeah, we partner with people. People aren't projects. Yeah, this is not a project. This is a life style of devotion, of commitment to each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, verse 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to help him up. We need community. Yeah, we'll all fall. I guarantee you that. We'll all fall. We need to have brothers and sisters, spiritual mothers and daughters to help pick us up. Yeah, none of us are superheroes. Jesus is the superhero. We're just pots of clay. Yeah. But we do have Jesus in our lives to help us. And when we drift, we can come back. And when we drift, we can have someone say, hey, you're going the wrong way. Turn around. And we come to that place where we can work with each other. We can accept each other. We can, the next one says, we can confess our sins to each other. We can bear one another's burdens. This is the whole Christian life. We don't have to walk around with fake smiles. And coming uh, and pretending uh, that everything's okay. We can cry. We can laugh. We can, we can be sad. But we don't stay in that place. Because Jesus is with us. Because we're in this together. This is the way God's intended it to be. It really pains me sometimes where, obviously, when marriages break down, without a doubt, that is horrible. And if your marriage is broken down before, there's still grace for you. You can be restored. Yeah? It doesn't hinder your relationship with Jesus. But often in these times, I find out that these people were isolated. They had no one to talk to. They relied to, well, they lied to themselves thinking, I can't tell this to anyone. Maybe the man, it's the man's fault. Maybe the man had some dark things that he was looking at late at night and didn't get help with that. Maybe the wife didn't do something. But the whole point I'm trying to make is that we should be in each other's lives. We should be sharing these things to each other and confessing our sins to one another because the Bible says so. Yeah? But the Bible doesn't say so just because it says so. It says it because it will do you good. Yeah? Guess what? There won't, you won't be the only one who's going through this. Yeah? There's marriages that have been going on here for 50 plus years. You think every morning they woke up, hi, hon, how are you? Went to bed, hey, hon, how are you? I'm great. Fantastic. No, there would have been disagreements. There would have been arguments. There would have been times of digging deep. So younger people who are early in their marriage find these people Older people, invite these young people around because this is the way God's intended it to be. This is not a one-man, one-woman show or we're couples on our own. This is the people of God, and we're supposed to have transparent, authentic lives. Uh, Quite recently, I had a small group at my house. We were talking about 
what would biblical community look like for you? And there were some really good points. And one of the main things was authenticity. One of the main things was transparency, honesty, accountability. Well, guess what? You can have all these things. Pioneer it. Yeah? It says to do it. Just do it. I know it's difficult. I know there's a cost. Yeah? There's a cost to pouring yourself out into someone else. There's a cost to letting someone else in your house and having their kids scribble on your wall. That's happened in my house. Yeah? But it's okay because I'm getting to know people. And guess what? A house is temporarily. <laughs> Get a little bit of paint. Shh. But when we invest in people, we're investing in eternal things. We're investing in ourselves, but we're also investing in the things that God has set for us. It's going to cost you. But I can tell you it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Another time in my life, I was facing a very difficult time. Uh, won't go into the details, but the people who walked with me in that were amazing. Were amazing. And um, those moments transform my life when someone actually bears your burden with you and carries that load. I still had to do my part, yeah? I still had to make sure I had my mask on, yeah? But there were times where my mask might have been hanging, or, and they just kind of maybe took my hand and said, don't forget your mask. Don't forget to abide in Jesus. And I came back. I came back. So for you, please, please, let's do this. Let's build, come here, let's be a pioneer. Let's not wait for someone to say, oh, no one's discipling me. Well, go disciple someone. Yeah? Go out of your comfort zone. There's a cost. It is God's plan to bring us together and for him to be the center of our lives. And he'll work through us in our lives and he'll work through us and help us work in the lives of others. This is the way he's designed it to be. Ephesians 3 says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think that um, when preparing for this, God really spoke to me about the cost of discipleship. The Bible is very clear that there'll be a cost. Later in the New Testament, Paul talks about how he poured himself out like a cup. Yeah? I don't know about you, but when my life is over, I don't want to be full. I don't even want to be halfway empty. I want to be able to be poured out for Jesus because he poured himself out 
for us. And I want to be able to, when he comes to me and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, he gives me my crown, yeah? I want loads of jewels in my crown, yeah? Loads, loads, yeah? Because I know that I've poured myself out to him and he's going to reward me, yeah? And I'm not just seeking the reward in the life to come. I receive the reward now because I know, I know that he's trustworthy. I know that he's reliable. I know that he's dependable. I know the Christian walk is hard. If you don't think it is, maybe you're not walking the Christian life, but it's hard. But God is fully committed to his people. Yeah? He is fully committed to every single one of us in this room who are Christians. Yeah? He's fully committed to you. And if you're not a Christian and you recognize him as Lord, Savior, and you want to commit your life to him, he will too be fully committed to you. My final point is growing in discipleship to the world. The Bible is quite clear that we're supposed to go into the world and make disciples, is it not? I mean, that's like the Great Commission, right? However, how the good of a disciple you make will be based off of the other two things that I talked about, about abiding in God and Him in you, and about now living that out in the community. So if we can lay hold of those two principles of abiding in the Lord and Him abiding in me, and us living this out in the context of community, we will make strong disciples. We will make oak trees, the Bible says. We will present each other mature. Because at the center of everything we do will be Jesus. Yeah? I look sometimes, I look at football clubs, I look at all the military, I look at all sorts of things that promises us community. But that's not real community because it doesn't have Jesus. Those things might have you know, certain components of community. But if we really believe that the church is where God dwells and that he wants us to have community of putting ourselves before other, of bearing one another's burden, this is where it's going to be. And it's going to have to look very, very different. Matter of fact, it will look different. Matthew five fourteen says, You are the light of the world, a city on a hill, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they set it on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. If we lay hold of those truths and center our life around those truths of abiding in God and Him in us and sharing life with one another, the world will recognize it. Because guess what? The world is totally against that. The world is completely opposite of that. The world at the moment is all about me. What can I get? What can I do? Yeah? Social media. How many friends, followers do I have? We actually think social media brings us together. It actually brings us apart. Because guess what? If one of you are suffering with depression, yeah, I can't just go pop in your house. Or it would be kind of weird to say, hey, how's the depression going? You know, you go, fine. If I go back to your house and I can see you haven't been out of bed for three days, then I know. I'm there. I'm present. I can pray for you. Let's not be loners. We're supposed to be in this together. You know, we're a part of relational mission. Not 
distance mission. <laughs> We're supposed to be in each other's lives. And I know, as I said, it's challenging, but this is what the Bible's asked us to do. We often tend to think that going out to the world and making disciples is a beautiful thing. And don't get me wrong, it is beautiful. But it is hard work. The Bible says that if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, the world will hate you. Yeah? Do any of you feel hated? Sometimes I'm hated in my own home. Yeah? Because I want to teach my children about Jesus. And I don't take that lightly. Because I know it's the best thing for my children. It hurts me when I hear my son say things and it breaks my heart but I love Jesus I trust Jesus maybe you in your own home have a mother or a father or a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter who is not a follower of Jesus it's going to cost you and they don't mean it because it says we don't battle against flesh and blood we battle, battle against powers and principalities, and it's not the person. It's not the person. It's the ruler of this world who has blinded our children, blinded other people to not know. But the Bible says that God has prepared good works for us. He's prepared good works for us. Trust in Him. Rely on Him. Depend on Him. He'll help you. People pray for me regularly, pray for my household regularly. I'm sure people are my, some of my friends are probably tired of me coming around and talking about these things, but I need them. I need their prayers. I need them. I need to be accountable to them. The other day, I was going to, uh, to school and dropping my son off, and I went to my friend's house, and I said, mate, I really messed up this morning. I let my pride get in the way of what my son was saying. And I needed help to repent for that because sometimes you don't see it. But that's why you have friends. To see the things that you can't see. That's why you have the Holy Spirit to put his his hand on things that you can't see or you don't know. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for submission and a willingness to obey him. The world will hate us. We prefer comfort over persecution. We look to the other nations and say, oh, they might get killed or they might be put in prison. Guys, we can be persecuted in our own nation. We don't have to look beyond. The people at work, do they know you're a Christian? Have you prayed for them? Are you willing to lose your job for Jesus? Are you willing to lose your reputation for Jesus? Are you willing to mess up your home for Jesus? Are you willing for someone to steal from you? Jesus had all those things happen to him. He laid down his life for you. 
so should we lay down our lives for him. I know it's hard. I don't deny, but there's a conviction in my heart that this is what we're supposed to be doing so that the world will see and know that we love Jesus. Coming here on a Sunday morning is great. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I challenge you, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we laying our lives down for Jesus or are we laying our lives down for our jobs or for our education? None of those things are bad at all. But if God says to you, what do you value more? What are you going to say? When someone looks at your life and says, what do you value more? They'll be able to see. I challenge any of you to ask my kids, what does your mom and dad love the most? I guarantee you to say Jesus. Because we say Jesus to them every day. We try to live a lifestyle that's reflective of how Jesus would live it every day. We mess up? Of course we do. But I tell them, look, like my daughter said, I put them back to Jesus. Jesus is the one who we're building our lives on, not ourselves, not our standards, not our, uh, uh, our tries or our efforts. It's all about Jesus. So the world will either hate you or as you go on this wonderful journey with Jesus, you'll find people he has predestined to hear and see the good news. To recognize that there's something different about you. There's something about, different about this community. There's something that you said. There's a way that you live. There's, there's a lifestyle that you follow. There's something that is very unique about us as Christians. And the world will recognize it. And they will either hate you or Jesus will bring those people to you who he's planted a seed into, who will open their eyes, because only he's able to open the eyes of the unbeliever, and they'll say, I want a part of that. I want to be a follower of Jesus just like you. I just want to leave you with this. And if we want to transform this town, yeah, we need to transform ourselves first with Jesus. Yeah? And then we need to transform this community yeah, of pouring ourselves out for each other, then we can go out to the world. Amen. Second Corinthians says this, chapter 4, verse 13 to 18, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also spoke, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light... Momentarily, affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God is at work. You need to believe that. Yeah. Make him the center of your life. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I'm crying because I just love Jesus. I really do. And I'm not ashamed of it. If we could all just stand. I'd just like to just pray for us. I'd just like to pray that what I've brought today will challenge you to your core, but at the same time, it would affirm your status in Christ. I don't see the two as contradiction. I see the two as complementary. They complement each other because they let us know that we're on the right path, that we're heading the right direction. Father, I just pray that your people today will seek you first before anything else. Father, I pray that you disrupt our lives of comfort. Father, I pray, a bold prayer, I pray that we are persecuted for your name. I pray that I'm persecuted for standing up for good, for injustice in my workplace. Father, I do pray that we need your help. My words are not enough. I pray that every single one of my brothers and sisters here have their own mask on. And if they don't, I pray that your spirit and the body will help us come to the water and drink. Jesus, we need you. Just say to Jesus you love him. Tell him how you need him. Tell him how you can't live without him. Tell him how you were once lost, but now you're found. Tell him how you're willing to lay down your life. If you speak it, it will be so. Father, I do pray that you just help us as a church as we grow in this next season. That we will seek you wholeheartedly. That we will lay down anything that gets in the way. That we won't be afraid to confess our sins to one another. We won't be afraid to support one another. That we'll pour ourselves out like a cup. Jesus, please be with us, I pray. And God's people said... Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.